Preface to the Secret of the Sahara Kufara by Rosita Forbes. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please contact LibriVox.org. Recorded by Stephen Seidel, October 2019. The Secret of the Sahara Kufara by Rosita Forbes. Preface. I feel this Libyan story needs a few words of explanation, for, owing to the peculiar circumstances in which it was undertaken, it is not the usual consecutive and comprehensive book of travel compiled after the return of an expedition, wherein the traveler is able to review the journey as a whole. Reading such works, I have so often found myself asking, and then what happened? Or, I wonder what he felt at that moment. Well, this is a very simple account of what happened next. In no way does it pretend to be a scientific record of exploration, for, owing to the ever-urgent necessity of secrecy and disguise, the use of most instruments was an impossibility. The spirit of the story changes with the mood and the method of its development. It was written in so many odd ways, at so many odd times, under a scented sage-bush in the sunset while the slaves were putting up our tent, or huddled inside a flea-bag when the nights were very cold. Sometimes, when life was exciting, it was scribbled on a camel under the shelter of a barakan. Twice at least, the last chapter, according to all human calculations, was completed in the hope that the tattered copy-books would somehow find their way back to civilization, and the fate of the expedition would be known up till its last moments. It is a daily record of success and failure, of a few months in an alien world, showing how much of that world's spirit was absorbed. Because in real life, the big things and the little things are inextricably mixed up together. So, in Libya, at one moment, one worried because one's native boots were full of holes. At the next, perhaps, one wondered how long one would be alive to wear them. This book records the former mood as well as the latter, because both at the time were equally important. Naturally, such an impossible, illogical journey leaves one indebted to so many people that it is difficult to pick out those to whom one owes most. I have dedicated the story of our adventures to my co-explorer, Ahmed Bey Hassanine, for his knowledge of the Senussi acquired during his secretaryship to the Talbot mission in 1916 was invaluable to me, and he was the loyalest of my allies throughout the expedition. His tact and eloquence so often saved the situation when my Arabic failed, and we laughed and fought through all our difficulties together. Long before my Kufara expedition merged from impossible dream to probable fact, Many officers stationed in the western desert lent me their knowledge of the Senussi oasis, gathered from careful conversations with Bedouin sheiks and merchants, while from Khartoum, El Fasher, and Cairo came maps and route reports which were most useful. I now know that we might have benefited exceedingly from Rolf's most careful and valuable writings on the subject of his North African travels, but unfortunately we only possessed his Kufra, which does not attempt much description of the oasis he was the first European to visit, confining itself chiefly to the relation of the story of the destruction of his camp and the breakup of the expedition. In a journal of the African Society, the great German explorer 
gives the exact bearing on which he marched from Jallo. Had we known this at the time, we might have arrived at Tizerbo in spite of the error in the extent of vegetation marked on the map. We picked up the traces of Rolf's journey at Busima, where some of the inhabitants remembered him as Mustafa Bey. At Hawari, several sheikhs told us stories about his adventures there and at Buma, but at no point could we find any trace of Stecker having visited the oases. On the contrary, we were categorically assured by sheikhs Mohammed el-Madini, Buregia, and Sidi Omar at Busima, and by sheikhs Musa Squireen, Mansur Bubadar, Musa Gabrahil, and Sidi Zarag at Hawari, that Rolfs had no other European with him. Stecker was the surveyor of the party, and, in view of the difference in the position he assigned to Buma and that which we believe it to occupy, we made the most exhaustive inquiries as to the personnel of the German expedition. But while we collected much intimate information concerning Rolfs, all evidence offered us stated positively that he was not accompanied by Stecker at Hawari, Buma, or on his return journey to Busima. On these occasions, he was always described as being with his cookily and a big horse. The gracious reception accorded to me by His Excellency the Governor of Cyrenaica, Senator de Martino, made me regretful that I could not stay longer in his admirable colony. To him, to General de Vida and the Cavalieri Chiarolo, head of the Ufficio Politico at Benghazi, I owe my delightful journey to Jedabia and a store of invaluable information regarding the country to which they most kindly facilitated my visit. To any reader, it will at once be evident that, after the generous help of the Italians in Cyrenaica, the whole success of the expedition depended on the goodwill of the Emir Mohammed Idris Essanusi and of his brother Sayed Rida. It is absolutely impossible for any European to set foot into Libya without the permission of the emir or his wakil. We were welcomed by the Sayeds with a hospitality that reminded us of the Arab greeting to a guest, All that is mine is thine. Whatever we asked for was given us, multiplied a hundredfold. Sidi Idris and his brother were so prodigal of their generosity, so unfailing of their help, that we shall feel eternally their debtors. Since surprise has been expressed that we should have met with any opposition in Libya once we were provided with Sidi Idris's passport, I should like to explain that we had no permit from the emir himself. The letter referred to throughout the book was merely a casual, personal letter expressing his willingness to receive us. We had, however, a passport from Sayed Rida authorizing the Sit Khadija, a Muslim working for the good of Islam and the Sanusi, and A.M. Bey Hassanain to visit the country. This document ensured us the most hospitable welcome from the official classes, in spite of the plots of the Bazama family and of Abdullah, to which plots alone I imagine we owe the adventures of our journey. Because of the goodwill of the Sayeds, we found many friends and allies in their country, notably Mohammed Quemish and Yusuf el-Hamri, who accompanied us through a thousand miles of desert till, somewhere east of Munasib Pass, we fell into the hands of the Frontier District's administration. And thereby hangs a tale, for so few of us in England know for how much she is responsible abroad. Egypt is like a tadpole, her head the delta, and her tail the long, curving valley of the Nile. Therefore, of all countries, 
she is the most vulnerable of attack and never could she defend her own borders muhammad ali subsidized the sheiks of the willad ali to police his frontiers before the war the egyptian coast guards built their forts along the mediterranean and red sea shores and pushed their outposts south into the desert but during the war a far more efficient force sprang into being nowadays the frontier districts administration a kingdom within a kingdom is responsible for the safety of all country not watered by the nile between the sudan and the mediterranean the red sea and cyrenaica the territory is divided into four provinces and under a military administrator in cairo brigadier general hunter cbcmg the governors and officials combine the complicated duties of protector and judge guide instructor and friend to the tens of thousand bedouin who might at any time prove a thorn in the flesh of egypt this exceedingly capable organization or such portion of it as officiates in the western desert took charge of us before we reached siwa and to them especially to colonel macdonald governor of the western desert and to colonel forth commandant of the camel corps we owe more than it is possible to acknowledge in a mere preface in fact i find myself unconsciously including in a long list of indebtedness the fact that having written their names far and wide across the eastern sahara they had fortunately for me temporarily omitted kufara from the itineraries of those swift dashes into the wilderness which habitually add a couple hundred miles or so to the known chart of africa one name is always connected with theirs because it appears on so many desert routes that of dr ball fellow of the royal geographic society the director of desert surveys of egypt encouraged by his sympathy and experience we brought him our rough notes and drawings and from them he compiled the map of our journey i think therefore that my reader's gratitude should be nearly as great as my own rosita forbes abu menes march nineteen twenty one